0: Welcome back to the show. Before we get into today's episode, we have a few program updates. Your Ducks had a great opening weekend at the ISA Invitational. Kyle Slendorn stole the show with a dominant run to the 141 championship, and he received MOW honors for his performance. He was also named MAC Wrestler of the Week, thanks to taking the title in a bracket with many nationally ranked competitors. Our other champ was senior captain Brett Callener at 149, and we also had five other medalists. The Ducks finished in second place in the team race by two points. So overall, just a great showing and great start to the season. Some unfortunate news to close out the updates. Our home duel with Mühlenberg that was supposed to be this Saturday, November 13th, has been postponed due to facility conflicts. Our home gym has become the host site for the Women's Volleyball Championships this weekend. We'll let you know if we're able to reschedule this duel at a later time this season. Thankfully, we were splitting the team up, so 21 wrestlers are making the trip to Bristol, Rhode Island for the Roger Williams Invitational. So be on the lookout for how to follow that action on our social media accounts. There will be no spectators allowed at this event. Now, for episode four, we have another alumni spotlight, alumni Ryan Neugebauer class of 2014, joined the podcast. He shares his inspiring journey to become a a helicopter rescue swimmer in the United States Coast Guard after being a wrestler at Stevens Institute of Technology and jumping into the business world and realizing that wasn't for him. So just a really, really amazing conversation. Ryan's passion to seek challenges helped lead him to a more fulfilling life. Enjoy the show welcome back to duck insider a stevens wrestling podcast we just wrapped up our morning practice of day and we had a special guest we had an alumni come back and uh check out practice class of 2014 ryan neugebauer he's joined the show today he's our special guest ryan thanks for joining us
1: yeah happy to be here
0: so uh talk a little bit about your background um pretty local you grew up in long island and uh eventually how you made your way to hoboken
1: yes i grew up um, Baldwin, Long Island. Uh, I went to Chaminade High School and, uh, I was recruited by Mike Clayton, um, wrestled here with Joe, um, was a good experience. I, I wouldn't have thought I was going to come to Jersey. I was talking to some of the guys who are from Long Island that were here and common question, what are you doing going to Jersey from New York? But I love it. I fell in love with it. I love the city. It's good to be back here when you guys asked me to do this, I, uh, <clears throat> I said, I'd love to do it in person, but I really just wanted to come for and hot bagels. And we made I that happen. Exactly we made, right. we made that happen. Yep.
2: Yep. So yeah. Just want to make the drive up through the traffic in the morning commute. Just, yeah, to, that 14, just to get a post-practice
1: bagel at 14 exit. It doesn't quit. So no. yeah, but, but I had a really good experience here. Uh, I actually did five years. Um, but Your choice or by design, uh, hard to say my my dad would say I did it on purpose but uh, you know it was probably more an accident
2: oh well, he's a smart man
1: <clears throat> yeah that's true um
2: no that's great i, I think that um one of the things that i w- i'd like to hit on um you know just to give just to give listeners a, a little bit of a background i let i'll let ryan tell his own story here but um just so everybody knows what our context is ryan ryan is currently in the in the United States Coast Guard um as a uh, as a rescue swimmer for them uh, station down in North Carolina. Um, but again, I'll let him get into that, but with, with our listeners knowing that now, um, you know, I'd love to know what your, um, perspective or aspirations or goals were as a, a senior in high school, uh, or maybe even younger than that. And, and led you to be here at Stevens, right? Yeah. Big time engineering school being classmates with you. I know that you were a business major. Um, and, uh, and then, and then, as you're creeping up on your end of your fifth year, you know, like where, where were you mentally, you know, like, this is what I'm going to go into. This is what I want to pursue um, as you, yeah. as you're kind of leaving Stevens.
1: Yeah. So as a senior, I think like most people, probably a lot of guys on your team, girls on your team, you're not really sure what you want to do. And I felt like, even like you said, leaving high school, I had this perception that you can either become a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, an engineer, and that was it. I didn't really know what else was out there. Um, so when I came here, I, I had an open mind. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I have family members who were in the military, in the Coast Guard. Um, so that was an influence. It was something that was always in the back of my head, but I definitely, you know, I think like most of us, you're pointed towards college. You want to go, it's something that you're supposed to do, and that was why I was following that path. I didn't know what I wanted to study or, or you know, what I exactly wanted to do. Um, so it was pretty up in the air. Um, and then leaving school, I graduated, um, with my, with a business major and I went to work for a software company called RMS, which was actually right here in Hoboken. Um, it was a really good job. And I get a question a lot where people say you must've hated it. That's why you quit and, and, and went to do what you're doing now. But the truth is I actually loved my job and I love the people I worked with. I've worked with some of the smartest people I've ever met doing that job um, we built catastrophe models for insurance companies so that they can understand their losses to like hurricanes and earthquakes and stuff like that. Um, and it was it was a great job. I loved being in the city. I liked staying here after college. Um, but after a few years, you know, I felt like I was a shell of myself. I wasn't really following what I wanted to be doing. I grew up surfing on Long Island and being around the water. And that was really what I wanted to do. and I found, I was spending all my time trying to like chase that down when I wasn't at work, and it was taking over my life. And I think leaving school and as a as a high school student and as a college student, um, you know, the idea that your job could be something that you actually love doing, and I know it's something you guys experience every day, is kind of a novelty. Um, and I, I didn't believe that I could do that. And then turning it on its head and saying, you know, you can find something out there that is actually Related to what you want to do, waking up every day and doing something that you're passionate about became more important to me. And I think some of that was related to going through the college experience and figuring out that you can actually follow that path. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you cross off one of the questions I had that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You know, because I do think that that's probably the stigma. I, at least I, I know, like in our close friend circle, that is the assumption. You right. know, for, for some of our close friends, like Ryan, you know, Ryan hated what he was doing. He, you know, he didn't want to be behind a computer and stuff right. like that. And, and and to some degree, you didn't, you don't, you know, that's not, Correct. I think that that alludes to what you were saying before, like that just wasn't in your makeup. So um, I'll let, I'll let you kind of run with this a little bit, but um, you know, you said you were chasing down that, that shell of yourself after work or in between. Talk to us about some things that, that yeah. you did over that, couple of years stint while you were uh while you were working yeah. in corporate America yeah. to kind of keep yourself going.
1: So I mean I was the the probably the layup ones were like I signed up, I did a couple Ironmans, I did a bunch of marathons, and I thought that was going to make me feel like you still got it. You know, get out there, boom, boom, boom. And I would do it, I would train really hard. And I I always enjoy you probably remember in the room. I loved being in the room. I was always a mat rat. I love being there. And I felt that way training for races and stuff. And I would get this huge high doing my workouts and stuff and then come race day or marathon day, Ironman day, whatever it was at the end of it, 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 it's, you know, you, you, you only have it in your, in your heart that you did it, you know, you don't do it for the the medal or whatever. And I was doing it just for me though. You know, I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I wasn't doing it to help anyone else. It was it almost to me became like a selfish endeavor. Like the training was what I liked. Like I was busting out of work, coming up to Stevens and swimming at the pool to get my, my laps in so that I could do this race. And it felt like it wasn't enough, you know? And, and I don't mean that in a way that like, I really wanted to hunt down something that was gonna, you know, pump my adrenaline and get me crazy. I just mean, I wanted something more fulfilling, I think. And my job was fulfilling for me personally, but I was looking for something a little bit with a broader reach and all of that training and all the work that I did and and the races and whatever, those were all for me. They weren't, I wasn't helping anyone else. I was going off by myself and I got a lot out of it. I got fit and I, I, that was all good. I got strong, but um. I felt like a little bit empty at the end of those races where I was like, great, here's your medal. Thanks for your 800 bucks and showing up for your Ironman. Yeah. Let's go. I I never, after I finished one, I thought I was going to be like, this might be my thing. Like maybe triathlons are my thing. That's going to keep me motivated. And at the end of it, I was like, nah, this isn't it, you know? And then you go, you know, I did with work coworkers, I did those, um, the Spartan races. And it was the same thing. I was like, ah, these aren't my people either, you know? And like, and there's nothing against that. They're great workouts and they're great forms of fitness. But for me personally, I wasn't at that level of fulfillment that I was seeking.
2: Yeah, man. You had an itch that like, you were just trying to find a way to scratch and nothing, yeah. nothing was really scratching, it, you know, but kudos to you for going out and like, and trying to do that. Right? I mean, there's people who are probably going to listen to this podcast who are going through their daily lives, knowing that there's an itch that they want to scratch or they want to go out and hunt down for sure. But just don't, you know, don't, don't have the chops to go out well, and do it or afraid to do it, or there's other obstacles in their life that they just can't at this point, maybe can't, can't go out. And, and that it. was,
1: that was probably what you just pointed out. is was probably the biggest hurdle for me to get over was at the time, I think I was like 25 when I decided to leave RMS and say, this is what I'm going to go do. And it definitely took a lot. Most people that go and try and do something like this, do it. They know they want to do it. They know about this job, but like you told me that someone would pay me to jump out of a helicopter and go try and help people. I'd say, that's not a real job, you know? Cause that, that was the way, I mean, Anthony, you probably relate. like, like, I don't know, like there were, you know, you have blue collar workers on Long Island. You have people that commute to the city, but I, I didn't know this was even an option. Mm-hmm. So at 25, it was difficult. One of the difficult hurdles for me was to overcome and say, I got to Risk it all on the line you know and say it's not like like I still remember telling my parents I was like hey I'm gonna quit my job and I'm gonna go try and do this and my dad going like, hey what does this mean for your career and I was like it means I'm starting a new one like that th- this old one is it- it's not like I think if I tried to do like one foot out the door one foot in you could have gone and done reserves or something I said I want to go try and do this you know and and to your point I think committing to it was maybe the hardest challenge because I was a little bit older. I still felt strong and healthy and, and ready to do it, but I definitely had an uphill battle preparing to go to a school and get ready to go through yeah. a pretty rigorous training program. And
2: I, I remember when you were prepping yourself to go to a school, coming here, swimming, just like, just like, yeah. maybe a little bit more rigorous than when you were prepping for some of the triathlons. Right. But, um, you know, I, I also remember just, just to give everybody some frame of mind here. I mean, Ryan is a freak of an athlete. Cause I mean, there were days, or weeks where we, we just be like, where's Ryan at this weekend? And so be like, Oh no, he's, he's, uh he's running Boston marathon. And they are like, he's running the what? He, we haven't seen his kid run more than three miles in the last two weeks. You know, and there, there were plenty of marathons or races where Ryan would just, just get up and just go, just go hammer. But
1: at the same time, I learned a lot of humility from those because it might, I would be like, I ran marathons like in season where I'd be like, we'd be trying That man, I'm working hard. I'm in great shape, wrestling, boom, boom. And then I'd be like, I can just show up and run this. And then like, you learn pretty quickly that like these sets of skills you have to practice. It's like anything else. And I would, I would show up. I'd be like, Yo, I'm going to crush this. And then you learn quickly. You get to like mile, Sixteen, and you're like sixty miles. I should feel pretty impressed with myself. That's a, and then you're like, oh, I still have ten more miles, and I already feel like garbage. You know, and it, it, you learn a lot. I will say about those races. I don't, I don't mean to badmouth marathons or triathlons. They're, they're all excellent. I still like doing them, but, and because, because they teach you a lot is honestly what it is. They put you in your place in a way, and it is. I I always, I think I related to them because I love wrestling so much. They're very individualistic. You, there's no one to turn around and say, Hey, I wish you had made a better pass on that. Or you should have backed me up or hit the cutoff, man. It's like, no, it's just you You either did the work you put the work in early or you didn't, or, or you hurt the day of that All was right.
2: it. And, and what, what do you think is, is your, like, did you take something away from that, that that put you in a position to have the success that you had at a school? Like, I, I feel like you're, you're alluding to yeah. you know, like your process as you prepared for a school was, yeah, was, the so, next, was the next level charge. Based yeah. on where you were, your first marathon, or your for first sure, I,
1: absolutely. And um, I saw we we talked about some questions, and I know I I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it was um, what was one of those questions? I forgot now. It was about um, I, oh I know what it was. Would I would I've done it differently? Would I have if if I knew I wanted to do this at 18 or whatever? Would I have still made the decision I made to go to Stevens? and said, like, hey, you know, should I just go do this now? And the answer is, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to go through this six-month process that I was embarking on, which was rescue swimmer, helicopter rescue swimmer A school, without going through the Stevens wrestling program, high school wrestling program, and just growing up as a person. And because most of it is, and I went through, I went through school with guys who were 18, 19 years old, they were young and hungry and fit. And some guys made it, some guys didn't. But, the experiences that I had, including in this wrestling room are what helped me get there. And, and in my high school wrestling room too, you know, I, I learned, you learn a lot about yourself and, you know, 95% of getting through that school is mental. You have to have it between your ears because they're going to ask you to do things that you don't think you're capable of. And I remember training for it and I would go down to different air stations and the, and the swimmers would train me there. And like, you would go and they'd ask you to do something. And like, for example, they, you know, we do a drill called like buddy brick, where you go down underwater with a brick with another person. You push the brick forward, one person goes up for air, you got to stay down. And you got to push the brick a certain yardage. And they start asking you to do this stuff in a 12 foot pool. And the first time you do it, you're like, there's no way I can't, I can't do that. And then you push yourself to this place that you don't think you can go. And I mean, they people ask me all the time what, what kind of person make like in the in my coast guard world what kind of person makes it through A school. And it's like you see you hear a lot of water polo players, a lot of swimmers, a lot of wrestlers. And it and it, I attribute that to your mental state, you know. Mm-hmm. If you believe you can do it, you are capable of more than you think, which is the truth behind mm-hmm.
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And let's just like take a step back when you're making the transition to be to do this and go to the coast guard was it always Coast Guard? Did you do some research in some other places too? Yeah. Talk about that process and how, you know, being here and maturing and and going through the academic rigors here helped prepare you to make that right decision.
1: Yeah. So I, like I said, I have family members who were military and and different branches. And um, for me, I knew I wanted to be by the water. So that, that narrowed down some of my selection Um, and like I mentioned earlier, I definitely wanted to be on the side of um, like the rescue help side, the safety side, the, um, so I looked at, you know, going through to Navy SEAL school or army ranger school and I just don't think I'm the person I, that that wasn't my path. My path was to go somewhere where I, my, my sole mission is to is to pull people out when they're uncomfortable and you know, I think all of us are have been around the ocean our whole life, growing up Long Island, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. That feeling of being in panic in, in the water is a pretty uncomfortable one. And you either get it early or you get it late when when that moment was for you. I still remember surfing Hurricane Bill and getting dragged into the rocks and and nearly wetting my pants. And like, you come to the terms with like, you know, you're not the boss here, but you learn to live with it. You learn to kind of dance with your demons when it comes to being in the ocean. And for me, I knew I wanted to help someone get out of that situation. And that was a big part of it for me. It was the, the, uh, that mission that, that, you know, duty of, of being beholden to others. That was important to me.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's some good insight. So, so now like we, we got through all that stuff, you, you know, that you want to make a career change. You, um, I don't know, call it enlist or, or yeah. Yeah. in, in, uh, you know, in in your boot camp training, just give us like the abbreviated version of you day one are out of work. You know, I'm, I'm putting my two weeks notice. Two weeks are up. I'm leaving and going yeah. into boot camp. To I'm now done with boot camp.
1: I'm yeah, into a sure. school.
2: A school's over.
1: Yep. So for me, it was uh, I enlisted in August of 2017. So I went to boot camp, and that's two months. Um, and it's, it's just miserable. You're just getting yelled at. And you know, but it's one of those things where if you know, you know that like, it's not real that you're getting yelled at. They're not yelling at you because they don't like you. They're yelling at you to see if they can get a reaction at you. They want to, yeah, they want to see, can you maintain yourself and stay composed? So that was two months in August of 2017. From there, um, I was part of what's called the annex X program, which was, um, People that knew they wanted to go to helicopter rescue swimmer school, you could say beforehand, this is something I'm interested in. And then throughout boot camp, you pass multiple physical exams that, that basically it, all it says is this person is still a good candidate. This person is, you, you know, and it's, it's basic stuff push ups, pull ups, sit ups, underwaters, and swimming, very basic. Um, so I, I pass all those. And then after boot camp, I get sent to, they send you to a place with a pool basically so that you can continue to train and get ready for A school. For, so I was sent to Petaluma, California for a year. And for that year, I worked as a non-rate. I just was, you know, cutting grass and doing whatever and just training. I was just getting ready for school. So they had a pool there. So I would train there. I had a there was a rescue swimmer there who I was training with and he put, you know, he kind of, kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit on what to expect. Cause I think you can get in your own head about, how bad is this really going to be? Like, am I ready for this? Because it's really easy to question that. Um, and it was really helpful. Um, I would go down, like I mentioned earlier, I would go down to the air station in San Francisco and those guys would work me, you know, that whole shop is there and you're, you're kind of, you're basically trying out like for their club, you know, there's only 200 and something rescue swimmers in the coast guard. Um, so it's a, it's a really, really small community. Um, and you know, you, they're trying to make sure that you're the right fit you know and a lot of that is physically demanding a lot of workouts like I said kind of going in over your head and figuring out like how bad do you really want this um so I would do that and then uh, I went to a school after a year after being in Petaluma California
2: um now if I remember correctly from from when you when you left boot camp you had said that, that that program where they you kind of train for a year yep. under a, a, a former rescue student or current. Yep. That that's a that was a new yeah, enrollment I've, because success re, uh, levels for rescue swimmers coming out of A school had been so low.
1: Yeah. The I, I don't want to botch the number, but it's an extremely low percentage of people that make it. Up. Let, I know for sure less than 50% 50% of people that even make it to school will graduate. So you know, you typically go in with a class of 24 swimmers to start, 24 students rather. Um, and like for my class, we graduated nine. The class before me graduated two. The one before them graduated three. So we were actually a, a pretty large class that graduated. Um, but like you said, it's it's a lot of preparation, and and there are guys who have gone through school two, three, four times and made it or not made it, and you know, hats off to them for wanting it bad enough to come back because it is it's a mentally grueling experience you know you're in it you're living on base you're there the whole time so that, like like we, were, we can get into this but this is the next the next part was after I left California I went through a school for six months and it was uh I don't remember when I started I want to say October of 2019 or 18 2018 maybe um yeah, I think it was like
2: right when you were starting wrestling
1: season yeah mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um, that one was plus. yeah So that's six months. The first it's broken up into three phases. The first phase is all like physically grueling, you know, a lot of cardio, a lot of, you know, but, but it's a lot of the same stuff that you guys do here, you know, getting on the assault bike, getting on all this stuff. And they do a really good job of knowing the physio behind it. They've done a lot of research to make sure they know how people's bodies are going to respond. There's always safety people around because, you know, it's, it's no secret if you ask people to hold their breath for a long time, they're gonna black out eventually, you know. And like another question is like, oh, how long can you hold your breath for? And it's 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 kind of they don't really care. if You can hold your breath for five minutes, nobody cares. All they care about is can you hold your breath for thirty seconds when your heart rate's at one hundred sixty beats per minute? You know that's where it's at because when you're in it and you're you're in, you're in ten foot seas, you're in whatever, and it's pumping, and your heart rate's you know the helicopters going, your heart rate's going you don't need to hold your breath for five minutes. You need to be able to go under a wave. You need to be able to duck dive. You need to be able to do all those things for a short amount of time and kind of control that physio element. And that's what, you know, that first phase is figuring out, is this person confident enough in the water to do this job? And that starts with, you know, like we mentioned earlier, buddy brick and things like that. And that includes three days of pool and three days of, uh, or three days of pool, two days of, uh, land PT and uh so that's the first phase second phase you go into like testing so this is kind of where all right you passed you know your physical element. we think you're strong enough to do this job um now we're going to see if you have the mental capacity to go through all of the uh technical procedures that include like using you know you have a, a survivor who's just come out of an airplane and they have a broken back how are you going to get them in the plane without making it worse um things like that so you're going through your litter test, which is like a floating backboard. You're going through parachute tests. How do you disentangle? Things like that. So it becomes more technical. And then your last phase is all testing of like multiple survivors. They call them multis, where you have six people in the water. And how do you triage them? How do you figure out who goes first? How are you going to, what what devices are you going to use? You know, you could use a basket. You could use a sling. Will you decide to go up with the survivor? Or do you stay down and work on another survivor? Um, so you go through it. It it slowly becomes more technical. The beginning is just how, you know, what, how much can you put up with? And it, then it turns into like, can you pull it, can you pull it all together kind of thing?
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh that's intense. And when we talked, we've had this, these discussions about, you know, what's been unfolding for you at different periods throughout, throughout your yeah. training and, and now you're full fledged. So let, let's take a step back because, you know, your humility precedes you. Um, you know, when, when you graduate from boot camp. Right. Not everybody gets to get that nod to go, you know, yep. then into a school um, as, as you had said, you got identified, you did a great job, but um, not everybody gets sent out to California to yeah. get, get training to have the most success they can. Right. Right. And, and, you know, you, you were awarded that opportunity because you were top notch coming out of, coming out of boot camp.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that definitely helped the physical element Like I mentioned earlier too, it made a huge difference. Like being 25 and being 18, I don't know if you guys agree, but I was not the same person when I was 18. I didn't, I just wasn't there. So a lot like that question about would you have done it differently? I wasn't ready maturity wise to make the decisions I would have made. And and truthfully, it made my experience easier because I was able to see some of the moving parts that I would not have been able to see when I was 18. So yeah, definitely being, you know, putting in the work and, and, and going through some of that stuff and and being prepared, I would say definitely afforded me that opportunity combined with a little bit of maturity. And then, like you said, that annex program that I was a part of is pretty new. So like, had I enlisted two years earlier, that program probably didn't exist, or I know it didn't exist. And I'm not saying I wouldn't have made it or anything like that, but my path would have been different. My path is like pretty straightforward compared to a lot of other people that have pursued this career. You could get put on a cutter and be underway at sea for six months at a time. How are you going to train in the pool when you're, and get ready for a physically demanding six months of A school when you're underway on a boat? I don't know. You're doing a lot of pushups. You're doing a lot of sit-ups, a lot of jump rope, a lot of, you know, cardio stuff, but it's hard. It's hard without having that exposure to someone like, whooping you every day yeah to just be like yeah i'm just gonna show up and crush it because a lot of people do that and then they get you know you slammed.
2: yeah the right place right time right yeah you timing know, right timing kind of was definitely but, critical know? and then and then you know you graduate top of your class when, when you come, in what? middle of
1: my class but yeah <laughs> well, you, got, you got one of the top choices coming out, yeah like, coming out yeah, of a school a
2: and, and uh you know, you got to put yourself in, in one of your top picks. Yeah. Right. To be down, uh, down in, in OBX and, and, uh, and be working down there with a lot of great guys who, you know, a couple months ago I had an opportunity to meet and be yeah. done this weekend at, at your, uh, at your fourth wedding to the same. Yeah. Hotel. Yeah. A lot. You know, I always say, man, I was
1: going to get married this many times, I didn't think it'd be the same woman. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh,
2: yeah. Ryan I'll be getting married this weekend. Um, you know, a. a a a victim of the COVID wedding cycle. So, um, so it'd be be cool to be with him and and a lot of good friends this weekend. But, um, so, so I guess to wrap up, just, just kind of talk a little bit about like where you're at currently, you know, your station down, down in OBX and and maybe just wrap up with like what what a day in the life is of of a rescue swimmer, uh, you know, right now.
1: So I live out in the Outer Banks and my day starts with a one hour commute. With his, which to me was worth it. I live, you know, stone's throw from the beach. You know, there's a bunch of guys that live out there. We all commute in together. It's an hour drive, you get your podcast going and, and you cruise in. We got to be at work by eight, eight o'clock starts. We maintain all the survival equipment that goes on all of the helicopters and, and planes. So like any like harness that we wear or life vests and um, any emergency survival equipment is what we maintain on a daily basis. Um, then we, so we do that from eight to 10, 10 o'clock to noon or 10 to one will be fitness. So Tuesdays and Thursdays we'll be at the pool or if the surf's good. We'll, we'll be doing a surf PT, uh, which that doesn't suck. And then, uh, land PT on uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, that's 10 to one. And then back at it from one to three, just making sure our maintenance is done and everyone's gears checked out, making sure that there's not going to be any holes. You know, you're not going to kick a raft out the door to someone that needs it. And it's not going to inflate, something like that. Um, and then when, so that's just like a day when you don't have, we call the ready. Mm-hmm. So when you have the ready, you're standing the duty. You're on for 24 hours. So you show up at 3.30 in the afternoon when the guys are knocking off for the day. That's when we usually get off. Um, so three 30, and then you're there for 24 hours, usually have a night flight. So you'll come in, get some food in you, get a workout in, um, you'll go on a night flight at probably seven, go do some training for two or three hours. You'll get out there. We'll go, you know, we'll go down to Hatteras, go to Oregon inlet, do whatever work. We work a lot with the boats. Um, and it is a big part of the job. Like maintaining proficiency is like, you know, keeping everything tight as you got to hit your minimums. You need to make sure you're getting this many freefall deployments and basket recoveries and, and all these different techniques that we practice. Um, it's important for making sure that you're tight when, you know, when someone actually needs you, you right. know what I mean? So it is a lot of training. Um, so that'll be into the evening. You know, like I said, that, that flight will usually go off at seven. You come back around nine thirty, come back, maybe have a little snack, go to bed, you'll sleep there and, and then uh, get up the next day and help out with work. But that whole time, any of those evolutions can get canceled if the alarm goes off. So if the alarm goes off at that moment, there's one person on duty at all times. It'll be myself, who's a rescue swimmer, a flight mechanic who operates the hoist and then two pilots. So no matter what, you know, those four people that you started your duty section with are who you'll be flying with. So you're in the middle of your workout, alarm goes off, boom, you throw your stuff on and you're out you're out there.
2: You're you're, 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 you're in the middle of, of uh, getting a heavy <laughs> squat. You,
1: you, know? you gotta, you definitely gotta pick your workouts wisely. Cause you yeah. go too big on squats. You start buddy telling someone, you'd be like, man, I wish I had done arms or shoulders or something else. Cause right. try not to do, I try not to do legs on my duty day because it's uh it's one of those days, you know, it sounds cliche, but that the, the Coast Guard's uh, motto is Semper Paratus always ready. And I was like, man, everyone's makes fun. It's such a silly thing, but it's true because when things go wrong, like they go wrong at the worst times, you know, you'll be in the middle of something, you'll be doing something, but it doesn't matter what, what you were doing or what was happening at that moment, you have to be ready. And that's why you train so much is because it, nothing's ever going to go when, when it's convenient, you know, for you, it's going to, it's going to go when it's at the worst possible time, yeah. you know? And, uh, it is you truly end up living it that that always ready thing you know you sleep with one eye open when you're on duty you the slightest noise will wake you up and that's it though um just waiting for the big one you know yeah it's good
2: yeah or hopefully not
1: or hopefully not you know there's yeah. there's enough dopey people out there that we get a lot of calls so yeah people are always
2: i know we we're just talking about some crazy crazy ones yesterday again we had breakfast together so um yeah, just some crazy stuff. I, I mean, uh, you know, it just uh I I feel like we're gonna have some uh, some guys on our team listen to this podcast and, and they're gonna come in our office tomorrow and tell us they want to they want to sign up for bootcamp. So, <laughs> uh, and I know you got Anthony and I probably fired up to get in the room and get another workout this morning, but Hell yeah. Um I mean you got you got anything else for Ryan? Here? No, and, yeah.
0: I mean we just appreciate you sharing your story and obviously it's a very unique one, but that's what we tell recruits all the time when they come in here. Like you come to Stevens and you know, you're going to be set up for life no matter what direction you go. Right. You know, and for the people that are interested in the military, we do have ROTC programs here as well. If they, you know, they have that in them and they want to pursue that, like you can do that here. Right. You know, there's so many opportunities that we're just labeled as an engineering school. Right. That like you forget about all the amazing things that are here.
1: Yeah. We had guys when we were here who were ROTC. Right. It's good. It's good to like leave options open. And like you said, there's no doors that are closing by coming here. They're only opening for sure. And for me, that was definitely one of the biggest appeals was that, you know, there's a lot of different avenues you can take. I took a kind of a convoluted route to get where I am today. But like I said, I wouldn't have done it differently. You know, might it have been more convenient had things gone perfectly in place possibly, but I would change it for sure. I you know
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough for these young guys, you know, for, for recruits or or any any high school age individual who's listening to this podcast. It's 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 challenging. It's it's a time that we all now that we're older have experienced. Um, but it's definitely not a time that I wish to go back to, and try to have make a decision on where I wanted to go to school, what I wanted to do professionally. Um, you know, and, and there's so much pressure out there where it's like, right. hey, what, you know every, every, every person, you know, when you're a junior or senior in high school, like, Hey, what do you want to do when you grow up? Where are you going to go to school. What do you want to major in? You know, it's like, those things aren't really the most important things, right? It's like, what are you interested in? Yeah. What do you like to do? What's going to give you the best opportunity to move, progress yourself as an individual in four or five years from now, when you graduate from whatever X school is.
1: And yeah. And it's so, hard, it's hard to ask someone at 17 or 18 to answer those questions. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Some, like, most people are still trying to have them answered, you know? Yeah. There are things I'm still trying to get answered. But yeah. 17, 18 is a tough time. But like you said, Anthony, like, keeping the door open is always a way – like, you can buy more time that way by not closing doors, you know? Yeah. So, I'm but with it.
2: I mean, you leave with an education from Stevens, and, you know, you, you feel good about, about that and the security that it provides you, even, even if you don't continue to make a career out of the Coast Guard. You know, not only are you going to have – Coast Guard on your resume and 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 all the doors that that's going to open but I mean you fall back on you know students education which I'm sure there's very few people in the Coast Guard who who have that (laughs) who who have that level of of education behind them um so yeah I mean all in all just an unbelievable story um I I know we're gonna have a lot of people tuning in and and uh and hopefully enjoy it and and we get some great feedback um but yeah man just just a
0: thrill to have you here I'm excited to spend the rest of the weekend with you
1: yeah happy Um, to be here and uh, am glad I was, was able to come years. in and do it in person.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, always great to have alumni come yeah. in and check out practice and stuff too. And any wrestlers, current wrestlers, tell tell them when you were practicing when you were in college here. What was your morning practice?
1: Oh, 6 a.m. 6 a.m. <laughs> half half asleep, trying to get the engine turning. It looked like everybody was turning pretty good in there today, though. I was that was good to see because seven is still early, but six was a nightmare. I remember <laughs> like just being up trying to study. Probably failing and figuring <laughs> out like, man, I still got to be up tomorrow and be switched on. Everybody looks switched on today. You guys are doing a great job. Yeah, a couple well, studs around the couple,
2: We had a couple of guys who were who were asleep at the wheel this morning. Yeah, I mean and it that, happened. That happen. You got to snap
1: them out of it. it. Yeah,
2: you know, just gotta just gotta give them the business and they get they get on the, on the horse. But no man, it was great having you. appreciate yeah. you jumping on and yeah, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next next opportunity. Maybe maybe we'll have to have a, a round two. Uh, double feature of the Ryan Newtonbauer podcast.
1: We'll go with some so- C stories next time <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right good stuff thanks, Ryan.
1: Yeah.